Okay, everyone, welcome to the Respect the Math podcast brought to you by Reliable Tech Help. For all your IT needs, call Reliable Tech Help at 502-797-7399 or visit our website at reliabletechhelp.com. That's reliabletechhelp.com. I'm your host, Digital David Snyder, here at the Respect the Math podcast. We talk about everything from technology to business, science, popular culture, and more. Basically, the things that I'm interested in because I'm kind of selfish that way. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast apps from Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and others. Please interact with us online, and if you like what you hear, please subscribe and or share our content. We'd love to hear from you. Today, our guest is Greg Kuhn. Welcome. Thank you very much, David. Thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're here to talk about today. I am here to talk about how to use new paradigms that we get from quantum physics to change how we manifest our lives, how we engage with our lives. And I come from a background where, uh, actually, I'm recently retired from the Jefferson County Public School System. Uh, I was a proud and uh, a heavily engaged employee of DuPont Manual High School here in Louisville, Kentucky, which, for our folks outside of Louisville, is usually in the top 20 magnet high schools in the entire United States, according to U.S. News and World Report. And I spent uh, 20-some years there as uh, one of my duties was admissions director, so I have a lot of of pride in those accomplishments, although it was the students who did them. I did help the students find their way into the school. That was a, a wonderful way to spend my time in addition to my other duties. During my time there, I made some very... Uh, early in my career as an administrator, I made some very ill-advised moves trying to create a business for myself that I could run on the side and one that would make me wealthy. And it exploded in my lap, leaving me over a million dollars in debt, facing 15 foreclosures, bankruptcy, and the dissolution of my marriage. And probably, David, the worst thing was going to be that for the rest of my life, I was going to be that guy. I was going to be that guy, the guy who blew up his family. Well, I reached a point with about six months until going over the the Niagara Falls of financial disaster, and I thought I have nothing to lose. I had been studying a lot of about quantum physics. I had learned a lot about quantum physics. I knew that quantum physics gave us new paradigms, uh, which, of course, a paradigm is just a fancy term for the reasons we do things the way we do them. And I thought, well, what do I have to lose? You know, I was looking at a particular paradigm that arises from quantum physics uh, where the observer and that which is being observed are but two different perspectives of the same thing. And I thought, well, if I'm the observer and what I'm observing is this financial disaster, personal and professional and financial disaster, if if these are just two different perspectives of the same thing, couldn't there be a way to change it? And I created a method that worked so well 
that I simply had to write about it. I actually, I was uh, posting on a forum that no longer exists uh, called the Abraham Hicks Forum, and I was posting daily about my use of this method and how it was working. And the thread grew to such proportions that they, they put it in their Hall of Fame and and the, the, the forum owner said, Greg, I'm going to have to shut this down because this is turning into a blog. Uh-huh. And it was during that time that uh, that was part of what really encouraged me to write. But also the, the primary, probably 70% of what got me writing about this topic is I felt like people really needed to know about this because we do have, we know that we have agency in our life. We inherently know that. And uh, I have found that that agency is actually uh, not only more powerful, but can be engaged much more intentionally yeah. when, when we want to or we need to. Yeah, so this kind of organically grew out of your own, own, own process of digging out of this hole you dug for yourself, right? Correct, correct. I stopped, I stopped digging mm-hmm. and I started climbing. Yeah. And uh, indeed, uh, I discovered that. And, st- and this was all taking place I- around 2006, 2007. I'm uh, referring to my first use of what formally became my belief-raising process, uh, which I write about in my new book and most of my previous books, too. I'm, I'm sure you can see that I have a book sitting in front of me right now. That is book number eight. Wow, Congratulations. Um, Thank you very much. My previous books, I write about my belief-raising process in them as well. Certainly, it is front and center here. Um, it's, an important, it's an important thing to share about. Yeah. Introduce the book to our audience. Well, absolutely. The book is called A Handbook for Those Already Born. And uh, I, you can probably surmise by the title that you're qualified to read it. I and, think so, yeah. Yeah, detailed well, research led, led me to that conclusion. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's not the the primary reason why I named it that. But I will say uh, recently, and and I know while I was writing it, uh, there were so many occasions where uh, I was I was putting pen to paper or typing on my PC, and and I I do David I I channel uh, f- I channel information from the quantum field or the one consciousness, uh, particularly uh, strongly when I run and I create flow states. And I do, I write about this uh, in the book. I I actually teach uh, a technique where uh, one, where you can also follow suit and do this as well. So information comes to me. uh, It's it's passed through to me. Uh, A a great deal of this book uh, has its origins in that source. And as I'm writing, I'm thinking, I, I have a knowing that, that this information, this information right here that I'm putting on paper is meant for somebody specific. I don't know who it is. And then I had the thought, well, how, how do you know you're not that person unless you read the book? And, I, and I'm not trying to be glib here when I say that, mm-hmm. uh, but I do believe that this book, which is essentially, uh, one of my reviewers calls it uh, practical self-help through an esoteric lens. I write the book as the quantum field, and so it is essentially a, 
instruction manual from the quantum field or the one consciousness letting a human know what you are, who you are, how you manifest life, and some very powerful ways that you can manifest life differently if you want to, need to, or choose to. Yeah, and you just recently launched the book, and I'm glad it's been a success for you so far. The full title is A Handbook for Those Already Born, How to Manifest Better Version versions of reality, right? Right. I'm really excited to have you on today. I'm, I want to make a few disclaimers before we get started in the, the heavy stuff. Greg is not a physicist. He's mm -hmm. not claiming to be a physicist. I'm not a physicist. I'm not claiming to be a physicist. Just want to get that out of the way. We don't need um, criticism from the peanut gallery at the physics department at your local university here. We're not claiming to be physicists. I claim to be a person who studied physics for a long time, and I probably know more about it than the average person. But at the end of the day, I'm just a philosopher and an IT guy commenting on my understanding of physics as I have experienced it. And I think Greg, Greg can say the same thing. Second thing is I want to give a testimonial for Greg. Almost every person I've encountered directly or indirectly by reading a pot or listening to a podcast or watching an interview or reading a book that claims to bridge the gap between kind of how to author your life the way you want it to and what science is telling us about the fundamental nature of reality, they're either woefully ignorant and misguided or they're just dishonest, right? Greg is the real deal. You are, you are the real deal. You are someone who is I, I maybe just a handful of people I've encountered that is not trying to uh, sell a snake oil, for lack of a better word, and leverage science to do so, right? Right. These are practical, accessible steps every person can take and to manifest the life they want, right? Right. And this is done with the hopes of helping people improve their lives, right? Correct. Yeah. Comment on that, please. Absolutely. In fact, my background, I'm a historian by training. That is my undergraduate degree. Uh, and my interest in quantum physics really comes from that, that lens, that filter of history. Because we, in the modern industrial world, so, uh, you know, after the Industrial Revolution, forward, We've always based what we do and how we do it on science, on paradigms that arise from science. Um, the way the entire structure of the 20th century Western world is predicated on Newtonian science and the paradigms that arose from it. And I, we don't need to go down into those weeds because that, that could be a whole other show. Yeah. As we started to encounter these new paradigms that arose from quantum physics, however, and quantum physics, as you know, as a student of it, it's the most accurate, precise body of science that, that mankind has ever created and still continues to cull and suss out the very workings, the foundational workings of the, the unseen universe, the immensely large and the infinitesimally small, right? Mm -hmm. um, so as people encountered these new paradigms, I mentioned the, that, uh, the paradigm that the observer and the observed are but two different perspectives of the same thing. 
people began to apply these paradigms in their life, in their professional life, in our government, in our the way our our society is constructed. And the beauty of all this, the beauty of what I'm doing with my books and, and my work, is that we don't need to wait for science to give us permission to do this. This is what we do. We take the science and we apply it. A good example uh, that is probably something everyone will be familiar with is Sigmund Freud, who's the father, the father of modern psychiatry. Although a lot of his ideas have now, I guess, fallen out of favor, if you will. They're not cutting edge anymore. He created talk therapy uh, uh, based on this idea that we can go back through one's history and determine exactly why we're behaving the way we are. Well, that's a Newtonian paradigm. It's called reductionism or determinism. Mm-hmm. It's little elements of both there, right? Yeah. Everything has a cause. And as long as we look hard enough and long enough, we can find the cause mm-hmm. and we can make a cure. We can make a change. Well, obviously, those Newtonian paradigms, they're very effective. They allow us to fly in airplanes, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. They allow us to form what we have as a modern society, which, of course, we can all see has its flaws. And uh, I don't think it would be too out of line to say that, that many people now are discovering that some of these flaws are serious enough that maybe we should look at other ways to construct and other ways to do things. I have personally taken on as a mission uh, uncovering ways to increase my own you know, personal power to, to build and architect my life. And I, I really appreciate those kind things you said. Uh, I don't disagree with any of them in, in, in a humble way. Uh, and the reason I say that is because the only thing I write, the only things that I write and talk about are things that I am applying and experimenting with in the, the most uh, exacting laboratory I have access to for this type of information, which is my life. Mm-hmm. And most folks, of course, it, it, it may not even need to be said, much of this is, is going to be an, an internal process, if not most of it. Uh, I like to do things, however, that to the best of my ability can be verified and seen and understood and also quantified mm-hmm. wherever possible. That's why I call my podcast Manifest the Big Stuff because when it comes to manifesting my life differently, I am interested primarily in the really important stuff, you know, my health, my fitness, my relationships, my, uh, my love life, my career. Um, I, I love to have fun with this information, but I also love to see how I can move the needle in those places where not only we find we care the most about, Mm-hmm. but also tend to 
really present us with the biggest challenges as well. Yeah. I want to clarify something. Is it safe to say that this book is literally, like you said, a handbook for those already born? You don't have to have any advanced knowledge of science or physics or quantum mechanics at all for this to, uh, to be accessible to you and to be implementable into your life to manifest the, the kind of life you want, right? Not at all. In fact, this book of my eight books, uh, actually, I have a study guide for this book now available, so technically I have nine books. This is probably the book where I talk the very least about quantum physics, mm. explicitly, yeah. if you will. Uh, and uh, my supposition, I, for, for me, my typical reader, my typical uh, client is going to be somebody who uh, isn't necessarily, certainly not, is certainly not an empty vessel and isn't necessarily uh, coming to me empty-handed. Um, we're always looking, aren't we, for ways to motivate and inspire ourselves and new ideas that are useful and applicable that we can then meld into our own construct for how to, to, to best work through life. I personally, uh, when it comes to the big stuff, uh, those are big rocks, you know, and, and I think the, the, the more, the merrier, the more help we can get, uh, this is, this is a, this is a big, this is a big boost. Yeah. Let's lay the groundwork a little bit, um, for, um, kind of the, what's going on here, uh, in the conversation. So briefly, Isaac Newton created calculus to explain his understanding of gravity, what keeps the moon orbiting the earth and the earth and the other planets orbiting the, the sun. And so he basically founded kind of modern science and what we call determinism. So if I throw this pin in that direction at a certain velocity, I can predict with absolute accuracy exactly where it's going to end up at any given point in time right? right and to us accessible to us in our daily everyday experience all that stuff is intuitive it works you don't even think twice about challenging it right but along uh, came einstein and niels bohr and uh, max planck and some other folks and they started trying to make sense of the science of the very small fundamental particles fundamental particles at the time at least uh, we're talking about the um, constituents of the atom, electrons, protons, and neutrons. Now, we've since discovered more fundamental particles, but for purposes of this conversation, that's as small as we need to go. Turns out, if you shoot an electron in a certain direction, a certain velocity, not only can you not predict where it's going to end up, the most accurate statement you can make about where it's going to end up is a probabilistic likelihood that it will end up here or there, Right. And so that was a, you talk about paradigms, that was a major paradigm shift because we don't see pins, well, it might end up there with 70% certainty, it might end up here with 5% certainty, we never see that in our daily lives, right, ever, right? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Newton's uh, equations, we used little more than Newton's equations from 200 years prior to that to successful, successfully launch a rocket and land people on the moon, right? Right. To our everyday, accessible, intuitive, common experience, that's all you need, Right. Well, it turns out that it, there's a little more to the story than that, right? <laughs> and so what we end up with after studying these subatomic particles is that the best way to describe them is a probability of a certain outcome occurring or not occurring. Well, they also determined that the best way to describe that probability of that outcome occurring or not occurring is a wave. <laughs> and so we went from this 
fundamental idea of electrons, protons, and neutrons being like little balls, little point-like particles to spreading out through space-time in the form of waves. And the wave tells us the probability of a particular outcome should we run an experiment or a test on that particular particle. And so we have duality. This came around, I think, around 1905, roughly. And so we still have the tried-and-true Newtonian classical mechanics. If we think about everything as a point-like particle, the concept of locality comes into play, again, which is just a fancy word for I know where it's going to be. If you can give me enough inputs, I can give you an accurate output. Well, that's one way to think about it. The other way to think about it is a probability wave of possibilities, right? And so this is kind of where the science picks up for what you prescribe for people to manifest the life they want, right? Did you want to right. talk about that? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could do a whole another several, episode. Several just, episodes. Yeah, yeah just I, I, I want to stop myself from going down some of those rabbit holes uh, to, to, to get into the meat of what we're here to talk about today. You know, for me, David, um, it, 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 there's a couple things that come to mind. One is uh, we are energy. The microphone is energy. The table is energy. And, uh, and for some, that can sound uh, like it's a philosophical statement. The most famous equation of all time proves that. E equals mc squared. E equals mc squared. They're, they're two sides of the same coin. You can think about it as energy or matter. We, so, uh, it, and a good way to illustrate that is, uh, you know, everybody listening knows what an atom is. And if we take an atom and we, let's, let's say we want to see what an atom looks like, right? And we don't have an electron microscope. So we have this magical ability to blow it up to the size of Yankee Stadium mm -hmm. in the Bronx. And we do that. What does it look like? I don't know because there's nothing there. <laughs> Even though it's the size of Yankee Stadium, we can't say anything because there's nothing there. Why is there nothing there? That's because the nucleus of the atom is the size of a fly mm -hmm. inside Yankee Stadium. You'll never see it, mm -hmm. right? And the nucleus of an atom is 99 .99999 percent of the tangible stuff mm -hmm. in an atom well that means everything we're made of because atoms are like the little legos that build everything we're atomic structures yeah it's it's all 99.999 percent energy or, or empty space and although and i don't want to knock on the table but although this all feels solid, mm -hmm. I mean, it's tangible. It's actually the, the, the result of magnetic energy repulsing the atoms that are comprising my hand and, and the table. Negative charges repelling. Yes, this is all. And so everything here not only once was a possibility wave before it was observed, it still is a possibility wave. We have lasers, so we can measure. This table is moving right now. Mm -hmm. We're moving right now. Mm -hmm. Now, it's incredibly small movement. Oscillating waves, but detectable and quantifiable. We can see it. Yeah. This table you know, would move you know, hundredths of a centimeter in an hour. Or, you know, I mean, and, uh, but, 
because it is still a wave. And we're not talking right. about space-time movement orbiting the sun and all that. We're literally talking about the object itself is an oscillating wave. It is moving independently of all else. Right. Right. Because Outside of classical motion. So, so we don't abandon, although we are experiencing physical form, and we're experiencing the physical form of all else here in the material universe, you know, we can call these time-space events. We're a time-space event. We're a time-space event that possesses consciousness. I don't know what else possesses consciousness in this material universe. You know, do plants, do animals, do other things. We can, we can make guesses. We can make educated guesses. We know we do, though. Well, let me back that up. I know I do. Because one thing I can never do is experience David's consciousness in the sense of, you know, your unique self that you have. Mm -hmm. One thing we do know is that a consciousness-possessing entity, a consciousness-possessing 3D time-space event, like a human, we are collapsing the wave, the, the potential of the quantum field into discrete material objects every second of our life. That is what we do. And furthermore, uh, what, what I'm doing and what David's doing in this collapse, this ongoing collapse, this ongoing manifestation, you're manifesting your own unique individual version of all this, just as I am. We assume that our versions are sometimes identical or very, very similar, but we know that's not the case, right? We know how subjective it is. Probably the simplest example is if, if I said, uh, Trump won the election in 2020, and then you said, Trump ought to be in jail, right? Well, we're looking at the same thing. We're rendering or manifesting, though, something completely different. And not, not to trivialize that, but just to show how easy that is to illustrate. But it, it goes deeper than that because each, for humans anyway, I don't know how this would, if a plant has consciousness, I don't, I don't know how this works for a plant. Yeah. But humans, the way we're doing this, we all inherited beliefs when we were small children. And uh, we inherited the beliefs of our caregivers, whatever they had to give us. You know, so those beliefs, and they're stored in our subconscious, in, in our amygdala, and those beliefs, the right, the wrong, the indifferent, the, the capable, the incapable, the limiting, the, the, uh, you know, the abundance-producing beliefs, and everything in between, they are manifesting the form, the function, the meaning, and the value of everything. Now, we were taught, you know, we, the first beliefs we were taught were beliefs about our dimensional constructs, height, width, depth. Uh, we were also taught about how light works, light, dark, contrast, so that we could manifest a three-dimensional world that we could have agency within. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of those constructual uh, Beliefs. Concepts. Yeah. yeah, we of course, we were also taught beliefs about what's right and what's wrong, what, what a threat is, 
what, how do we respond to it? And, it, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And, and we carry these forward into our life now as adults. And uh, this is ultimately where uh, humans run into a lot of problems because of the inherent, you know, when life is displeasing, when it's frustrating, when the beliefs we, when the beliefs I carry into this moment are incapable of manifesting reality in form, function, meaning, and value that is pleasing, that is fulfilling, that is satisfying to me, this is when I begin to say, wait a minute, uh, is, is this all there is? And I don't know about you, I, I, I think from having spoken with you enough, uh, it's, I could put you in this camp. So many of us uh, know that more is possible, and especially in important parts of our lives. When we know that more is possible, I have yet to be very successful in getting myself to pretend like I don't care about that when it's not going well. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah couple of clarifications here so the professional physicists don't um, don't uh, critique us when uh, Greg uses terms like time space just assume that's the same thing as space time he mentions 3d time space we all know that's 4d four dimensional including time right he's talking about the three three physical dimensions mm-hmm. directional up down left right back and forth and so forth. Um, and then he talks about a possibility wave. Just assume he's talking about a probability wave. It's the same thing, just a different term here. Um, and then, uh, when we're manifesting things, we talked about this yesterday in our brief conversation. Um, you're literally authoring your own universe in real time, whether you realize it or not. And there's crossover, right? From your perspective with other people's universes that they're authoring in real time, whether they realize it or not. But it's unique. It's not a one-to-one crossover, right? And so it reminds me of this concept called the holographic principle that Mm kind of came out of string theory. Turns out you cannot um, put more uh, information in a region of space-time than exceeds the area of the space-time, not the volume. Mm. So what that tells us is that the universe is fundamentally two-dimensional and the three-dimensional space and one-dimensional time that that seems so fundamental and intuitive to us in our everyday experience called four-dimensional space-time actually is probably a holographic projection of a fundamentally two-dimensional space-time. And so I think that's really interesting to point out. If that doesn't give you some insight into the fact that there might be, I'll borrow some language from Einstein here, something deeply hidden, um, I, I don't know what does. Um, we also mentioned um, uh, ma- manifesting versions of reality that you want. Let's kind of dig into what are some practical steps people can take every day to first identify those aspects of their life, their reality that they'd like to change and improve. And then how do we take practical concrete steps moving forward to do that? Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and to also to piggyback on some of those things you just said, I do want to say very explicitly that uh, quantum physics doesn't say that all these things I'm talking about are true. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all based on my personal applications of them. 
so I think that those are good things to point out. They just happen to be consistent with a lot of the um, results coming out of quantum physical ex- experiments, yeah. I feel confident in uh, creating uh, ways of being, ways of living, which I do want to talk about. I think that's a great idea to get into some of the specifics. But I feel very confident when I experiment with my inner world to see how it changes my outer world and I base those experiments on paradigms and things that I learn and glean from quantum physics because of the precision, you know, because of the accuracy mm-hmm. in describing the true inner workings, if you will, the unseen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so practical. Well, this book, A Handbook for Those Already Born, this, the, the, the hearth of this book is uh, three high leverage access points that all humans have to change the reality that they're manifesting. And uh, the, the first one is preparing ourselves to meet the opportunities that are given to us in each moment. That's the first high leverage access point. And uh, none of these by the way, a rocket science, uh, engaging in them fully and intentionally is really simply about making a decision and, uh, and you know, putting one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. The second access point is growing our beliefs, our inherited beliefs into alignment with the versions of reality that we truly desire. And that is possible. Although our beliefs are stored in our subconscious and our subconscious does not speak uh, word-based language, it only communicates through emotion and only understands emotion and only emotion that is authentic or honest or matches how we really feel. Um, My belief-raising technique uh, does work. It works very well with the subconscious and it does work. It works Every time I've used it, I have changed my life. So that's the second access point. And then the third access point is found in how we engage with reality. And this, to uh, someone who's never read my, my books or, or maybe never even encountered this type of information before, that's probably going to sound the most familiar. Uh, in this book, I have eight distinct engagement techniques that are based on paradigms from quantum physics, uh, that are ways to turn the status quo on its ear in some very helpful ways. So that's the third uh, engagement point where we have a lot of leverage. So I, 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 in practical terms, we could talk about any or all of those three. Yeah. Can you restate the three? The, uh, the first one was? The first one is uh, preparing ourselves appropriately to meet the opportunities that are being presented to us in each moment of our life. Perfect. So we're prepar- preparation, belief raising, and then engagement with, yes. with the world. Preparation, belief raising, and engagement with our life. We mentioned earlier you talked about some kind of um, uh, practical and existential fundamental a cognitive concepts we form 
navigating a three-dimensional world and uh, what's what's a threat and what isn't, what's acceptable behavior and what isn't. I would think that those things, which at the time were just practical life skills you were learning, down the road you can really um, kind of um, uh, explore those and say, oh my gosh, this has been limiting me in this or that way, right? And so your three areas here, your three access points, you call them, I, I would think they'd be effective at identifying those and working backwards to try to edit those, right? So that you can move forward and um, create a different uh, manifestation of reality based on um, undoing some of the damage that was done, you know, at that early age of your life, right? Yeah, actually, we're provided with the absolute best, most precise feedback tool that I can imagine, our feelings. Mm. So uh, just springboarding on what you shared, our feelings are feedback to us, direct and personal and tailored specifically to us. They are feedback regarding whether the beliefs we bring into this moment are capable of manifesting the, the reality we really desire here. And so when, when we talk about, oh, uh, you know, we, these, these access points uh, can, can, uh, can really give us a lot of agency and leeway, well, as long as I feel and process my feelings, now I, I want to stress that. Some, uh, I've heard from a, a lot of therapists and counselors, uh, probably eight or nine, who uh, reached out to me through the years and let me know that, that they really have found a, uh, a lot of usefulness in their practice with my books. And generally what they say is because of your emphasis on feeling your feelings, and I, and I want to stress that here, our feelings are not the source of our reality. Uh, they are feedback about our, our reality. And as long as I feel and process them, which for me uh, it, it involves a physical uh, a level of engagement, moving my muscles. You know, I don't even know if this is a fact, but it certainly seems to be that unprocessed feelings take up residence in my muscles. Your body they, keeps the score. They, they house them. That's been my experience, my physical experience. So, um, but so feel and process. When I process them, they become breadcrumb trails that mm. can lead me right back to the beliefs that are, well, I don't mean to switch metaphors here, but... Are the beliefs we have, when, the, when, when my inherited beliefs are incapable of manifesting a version of reality that I truly desire in this moment, I'm going to have feelings about that. Anger, disappointment, frustration, sadness, regret, grief, what have you. Mm. They're painful. Mm -hmm. And what's actually happening in that moment, what I've found, what's actually happening in that moment is that there are some incapable beliefs that I inherited. I'm not responsible for them. I inherited them. Mm -hmm. But they are actually obscuring the, the, the light, if you will, of the real me, the, the, ener the field of energy, the quantum field of energy that I really am and, and everything really is. That pure, wonderful light, which is really nothing but love and abundance, gets obscured 
by limiting or incapable beliefs that I inherited. And those beliefs cast a shadow that falls over me, and those are called painful feelings. And when I process them and feel them, it gives me an extra added ability to turn around and say, what's casting that shadow? And, you know, sometimes it's, it's a rut I've fallen into. Sometimes it's just I've gotten off the track. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that happens. It happens to all of us. It's a very valuable exercise to look back and, and recognize and realize that because we have tools. You know, I've got tools in the engagement techniques that allow us to address that in well, rapid fashion. When we're not just in a rut, though, when, when this is a part of our life where we've been regularly, continually frustrated and disappointed for too long by whatever measurement we want to use, that's where my belief-raising process can come into play. Uh, but those feelings are so... They never lie to us. Mm-hmm. They're not who we are. Mm-hmm. And th- there's no reason to identify with them. And hopefully that takes away some of the mystique. You know, the painful ones are scary to feel. Personally, for me, sadness is the one that I'm that I tend to uh, to stuff the most. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh, so stuffed feelings are become the you know they become the monster in the closet. Mm-hmm. They uh, they're power or their their assumed power grows you know in our in our our fear of them grows we it we work harder and harder to keep them tamped and stuffed down well they're simply they're just waiting to be felt and processed so they can give us information Mm -hmm. they're not they're not causing the problem right they're not manifesting uh the reality that is eliciting them and furthermore, feeling and processing them is not going to pour concrete around them. It's not going to you know, anoint them or those experiences as what's really happening. I, I guess I'll conclude by saying when it comes to feeling our feelings and learning from them in this way that can guide us so well, we're never going to encounter feelings. We're never going to feel anything that's not already in there. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yes, feelings will never guide us in the wrong direction. And they'll always lead us to useful ways to engage at those three leverage points. So if we end up in a state of depression, disappointment, sadness, anger, whatever it might be, that is just a surface indication that we're not capable of processing our feelings in real time in a way that's healthy, correct, or constructive? That, I, I think, is probably going a step too far for me to okay. comment on. Okay. I mean, certainly, uh, I am not here addressing uh, topics of which I have no experience nor expertise. And one of those would be uh, physical ailments because, you know, you mentioned depression, just to, yeah. to talk about that one thing. I mean, depression, um, and, and other people can speak to this with much more expertise. Either one of us are trying medical professionals, right. disclaimer. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, uh, I, I'm, I will say this. You know, there's an old saying, pray like everything 
depends on God and work like everything depends on you, you right? Yeah. When it comes to my physical health, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, I engage myself at these three access points like anything's possible. And then I also it, make it my business to adhere to good directions that come from people that know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I think that to, to, to answer that question is when we, for me, when we get into, when we start speaking about things uh, like, you know, depression, mental health issues, physical health issues, sure. uh, it's, it's important that we, for me, yeah. to take that, that twofold approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it safe to assume your three access points are sequential? You need to do them in the order that we uh, introduced them in? Well, it, there's, you know, that, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I think that preparing myself to meet the opportunities presented to me in each moment, that's something that for me is best established. I call it vibrational alignment. And that's best for me to do before I go out and engage with the day. So if there were an order, that might be the first that's, one? That's okay. number one, Okay, for sure. Um, vibra- I'm vibrationally aligning myself with opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and that's important for me. You've got to show up, so to speak. Yes. And it's so easy for us to, to, to want to tune in, to work to tune in with the results we seek because we want those results. I mean, I, I want the results I'm seeking. That's, mm. you know, uh, it's silly for me to, to not acknowledge that. At the same time, the best way I found for me to generate the best results is to be focused on the effort that I'm giving mm-hmm. and being fully present in the moment. You know, David, this moment... Right now, this is the only place where we manifest life. Mm-hmm. It's the only place we can manifest it differently. And moment to moment. Moment to moment. Everything yeah. else is a possibility wave. This is the time and the place where we have manifest this and rendered this. And thus, the opportunity to bring the quantum field to life. We are... A conduit for that you know we mentioned on uh, our talk yesterday the idea of the archipelago mm-hmm. you and i are conduits for the quantum field we are bringing it to this mm-hmm. it, through us it gets to experience this it gets to be here with us but this is the only place so this is where the opportunity is this is where the opportunity is for me to be me and for me to manifest and experience life as i desire that opportunity doesn't exist in the past and the future, even though the past and the future are existing concurrently with our present moment. Yeah. We're here, right? We talked about that yesterday, and that's so intriguing to me. I hadn't thought about it the way you mentioned. Is it safe to say from your perspective that um, the results that we want are there? They're not in the future. They're not in the past. They're not even here. They're, they just are and from, I, I, from our everyday classical experience of life, we see them on a timeline at a certain point, right? Like six months ago, I was less good at playing guitar than I am today. 
hypothetically I'll be better six months in the future, but all that stuff doesn't, I mean, that, that that's a classical mindset of the arrow of time, right? That it's moving away from the past and in the direction of um, the future always, right? Well, quantum mechanics doesn't work that way. Right. And it says that all outcomes not only cannot, uh, cannot only be um, d- uh, determined with absolute certainty, the probability that they will occur is the most accurate way to describe them. And they're all occurring at the same time, irrespective of an arrow of time or any type of classical concept. So the results you want are there. You just have to find a way to get there in that momentary frame of reality you're authoring in real time. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. They're there. They were there the whole time. There is no them not being there and there. You just have to orient yourself in such a way as to manifest them from the underlying quantum field where they are existing, have existed, and and will exist, right? Well, think about the power of construct in what you just described. Um, that, That anything is possible. Any anything can emerge from the quantum field, but that's th- there's a way to say that's not exactly true though, because only what I believe is possible can emerge in my version of this, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the power of construct, you, you know, if 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 we brought a reindeer into the, you know, this is Christmas Eve and we got Blitzen to come in here and join us, no Rudolph. Just kidding. <laughs> let's Blitzen's. I think is the unsung hero. Okay, Rudolph gets Fair all enough. the pub. Fair enough. Um, that damn red nose. It, it, yeah. Well, and rightfully so, right? Yeah. So we, the three of us, walk into the backyard and look at your big tree back there. We're looking at the same thing. It's a tree, right? But that reindeer sees ultraviolet light, so I think the leaves are purple. On uh, oh, do they? they, they they have yeah. ultraviolet light um, yes. sensitivity. So the huh. construct, right, mm-hmm. of of a of a of a reindeer or a bumblebee, I think there are a few other animals that also see a UV light. Interesting. And us, we're looking at the same thing. We're, however, it's got different form. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got different function for, for the deer. It's food. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, it's shade. It's got different meaning. Uh, you know, for the deer, it's a it's a buffet, and for you, it's it's a nice uh, addition to your property. And I see yard work and dollar signs, but it, yeah, but go ahead. It means you got a rake, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so our beliefs are part of our construct. They are our construct. I mean, they are. We can't and construct anything. We don't have a pre-made concept, cognitive concept for right. And they are physically right. It, it, because our amygdala is a, a primitive, you know, reptilian part of our brain, mm-hmm. its one job is to keep us alive mm-hmm. and then safe underneath that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what it does, its job is to manifest a reality that is reliable and predictable as possible. Mm-hmm. That gives us the greatest chance of staying alive. Existentially... Precise. So, yeah. so when yeah. we when when we inherited those beliefs, they got put in there, and they're here. They're there to stay. And the in this the the subconscious is great at maintaining that reliability and predictability because it's got this low wall security around the beliefs we inherited. 
And I say low wall. It's the wall is high enough that word-based communication and logic cannot penetrate it. Mm-hmm. Neither can, I'm going to say, manufactured emotions. Emotions regarding something that don't match what we really believe about it. Mm-hmm. That can't get through either. Well, that I guess that safeguards us from, you know, having a flight of fancy or a whim or a strong emotion, and then, you know, we change something drastically that we later regret. I, you know, I don't know. I, if we could do that, I guess we could do the old pot of gold. Mm-hmm. Um, but the low-wall security around our subconscious, it, while it does, you know, it protects us, the, our beliefs and thus our reality from those sorts of massive and sudden changes, it is low enough that our, we can change our beliefs as long as we work in partnership with the subconscious. If we come to it with emotional honesty, and it, my belief-raising process, what I, what I do and what I teach, because I, I use my belief-raising process all the time. In fact, I, I just used it, and I'm making podcast episodes about my latest use of it. Essentially, it's, it's very simple. We, we, we uh, adhere to strict emotional honesty, keep it private, right? We don't ever have to share this. But we determine how we really feel about this part of our life right now, not how we wish we felt or think we ought to feel or should feel, how we really feel. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be painful. It's going to be an emotional vomit because we're working this process on parts of our lives where we're frustrated, where we know more is possible and we're not finding it, we're not manifesting it for some reason. We find how we really feel, and then, and I'll, I'll hold this up. Um, this, it's, it's highlighted because I've, I've been using it, but this is my emotional reference chart. Whoops, turned the right away. Emotional, not that you can read that, but I find where I really am. The last time I used it, when I wrote out how I really felt, I realized I was worried and nervous. I mean, I was worried and nervous mm-hmm. about, this part, about this part of my life. Mm-hmm. Well, then all I do is I take the very next emotional state. This is an ascending list of emotional states. I go to oh. the very next emotional state, and I say to myself, well, what must I believe about myself and my life to feel this way mm. about this part of my life? And where I started at worry and nervousness the next emotional state is frustration and aggravation. Hmm. Now, A, it's pretty easy for me to answer that question. What must I believe about myself to feel frustrated and aggravated about this situation? Because that's not a quantum leap mm-hmm. to, to you know, positive emotions. It is very subtle, very subtle. Yet, each tick up the scale not only takes you one step closer to the, the penultimate perspective, mm-hmm. which is love and ecstasy, mm-hmm. but it also is a little more empowering. It's a little more self-directed. It's a little more proactive. It involves me a little more in my own solutions. You know, it's a uh, staircase. To it's self, a staircase. Self-discovery. Uh, well, and, you know, you'll often hear people say uh, depression is anger turned inward. 
and uh, whether or not that's accurate, it's a good illustration that, you know, feeling depression and aiming my anger inward, well, that's not a good place. If I can actually get to the neck, get to an, uh, like a little step of growth where I'm projecting that anger outward, mm-hmm. while that's not really where I want to be mm-hmm. long term, that's more helpful. That's more proactive. That is more solution oriented mm-hmm. than the step before. And so what I have learned, because, you know, we, when we, we talk about interesting science, that, yes, I, I, I love systems theory. Because for You're a system guy, I wouldn't have guessed that. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, well, we're systems. Of course. Right? We're a system of systems, uh, visible, invisible. And there's many, well, there's many ways that we can validate that statement. Mm-hmm. When a system changes, its environment automatically changes. And so what I've noticed when I'm using that belief raising process one tick up the scale, which, by the way, is intentionally incremental, yet real and empowering improvement. So it's believable. It's, it's, it's easy to get to. And then after I write about my, you know, this part of my life from that next highest emotional perspective, I then spend a day or so manifesting that, it that way. And once again, it's not that challenging because the improvement is not that grand. Mm -hmm. So it's very doable. And what happens is that through that process, my beliefs go along for the ride. They really do grow. My subconscious, when I'm writing and living my way into the next highest emotional perspective on that chart, my subconscious says, I got you, Greg. Yeah. That jibes with how we really feel. That's not a threat. That's, that, is, that is basically the same thing as we already believe. I'll go with you there. But you've got to identify it in real time and work with it to progress back towards your ultimate desired state. I would say, yes, I'd say, like, the, actually, um, what I used this process on recently was my belief about who and what I really am. And uh, I was uh, challenged in a good way uh, regarding that uh, following a conversation with this really awesome uh, author and uh, spiritual uh, guru uh, named Franco Romero. When I got to, when I was at worry and nervousness, you know, I, I, w- I was worried and nervous. Well, frustration and aggravation. All I had to do to work my belief raising process was then to say, okay, I'm going to take the same topic, you know, who and what I really am, except how, what, what would it mean for me to be frustrated and aggravated about this? And what I do is I, I look up the definitions in the dictionary so I know exactly what I'm talking about. And then I allow those definitions to guide my writing. Like, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I do feel frustrated and here's why. And, and, and I do feel aggravated. That's accurate. I do feel, I, I am the, I, I do have these feelings. I can have these feelings. Here's how these feelings work for me. Here's how they're present. Mm-hmm. And, and then I go out into the day and I, I'm, I don't manifest my whole life from that perspective, but this part of my life, mm-hmm. I 
I, I continue down that path, and I just allow myself to manifest that from frustration and aggravation. It's not hard. It's mm-hmm. not a quantum leap. It's, it's very attainable, and uh, it, it really does change my world. It, the world really does change when my beliefs change. Now, we've all experienced this from time to time. We've seen how our world can change, right? Uh, here's a bombastic example. You might walk out and get the mail later this afternoon. And when you do, you're going to see the usual things you see and experience and, and you know, have the usual thoughts you have when you do that. However, if you got to your mailbox and pulled out an envelope with a check for $1 million, I bet your walk back to the house would look, feel, and be <laughs> experienced completely differently. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, of course, and we all know that. It happens on this level, too. Mm-hmm. And it's very inspiring. It's very invigorating. I, I, I think, for me, using the belief-raising process, yes, it, it's addictive because um, it, it has an almost scientifically reliable outcome of changing my reality, ultimately, because, you know, manifest... The definition of manifest is to see and understand. Mm -hmm. And when I change my beliefs, I change what I see and understand. And the the cool thing is to to get to love and ecstasy. What I found is, um, once again, it's not necessarily a power like a genie. You know, ultimately, and maybe this is full disclosure here, I'm not primarily interested in growing my ability to influence the reality I manifest to the point where I can transcend life. Where, you know, because to me, if I could you know, blink my eyes or snap my fingers and make this appear and that appear and this disappear, you know, that, it's, it's a fantasy. There are times where I would like it. We've all wished for it sure but that's i don't believe one of the things the quantum field told me that i wrote about in the book is um, we didn't come here to transcend life we came here to make the most of it mm-hmm. and what that means to me is that with my family my career my ability to have an impact um, you know my own internal enjoyment of life fulfillment mm-hmm. uh, my health my fitness these really important parts of life. Wow, the more important the part of my life is, the greater the opportunity I have to, uh, to, to bring myself and to bring the quantum field to full bear. And, uh, you know, because sometimes, this might sound kind of silly, but we went on vacation in June Went to Tybee Island, Georgia. Took my parents, all the boys. My favorite thing to do at the beach is to find shark's teeth, manifest shark's teeth. And, uh, you know, in my experience, the beach is the best place to manifest a shark's tooth. Mm-hmm. It just is. Fertile soil. Fertile soil. Although this part of Kentucky was all underwater once. There are shark's teeth in the ground here. If I'm digging, you know... 
if I'm digging in my garden, I could find a shark's tooth, mm-hmm. hypothetically speaking. Mm-hmm. But let's not get silly. Why is the beach the best place to find a shark's tooth? Well, it's because there's a lot of sharks out there. It's, it's where we always find them, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very natural. And, and so why wouldn't we go to the beach if we want to manifest shark's teeth? Um, why wouldn't we change our beliefs if we want to manifest something different? And why wouldn't we do that in the most important parts of our lives? And what I've found is those really important parts of our lives, while they can be challenging and often present the, the fuel that brings people to books like this. I know it does for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they are like the beach with shark's teeth. They're the most fertile soil mm-hmm. for the life we want to have. They, they present us the greatest opportunities mm-hmm. for the life we want to have. I like that. I've got some thoughts that came to mind while you were talking about that. Um, we talked yesterday. Einstein mentioned that physically mathematically the after he he discovered special relativity and was pursuing general relativity um his masterpiece on gravity he said that the past the distinction between the past the present and the future could be little more little more than a stubborn illusion you know i think that's worth saying something else that came to mind when you were talking about um is uh hugh everett most people don't know who hugh everett is he was kind of a under-the-radar physicist back in the 60s, I think, and um, he looked at quantum mechanics and he said, well, what is the core of quantum mechanics? Basically, non-classical, non-local reality. Mm-hmm. And he said, so you're telling me that the best answer you can give me is a probability of an outcome occurring. Well, he said, well, if you're telling me the most accurate answer is that, then you're telling me that literally any potential outcome of an experiment not only will happen with a certain probability of occurring, they all have to happen simultaneously. Because if you don't give me that deterministic, absolute, yes or no, this will happen, you can't tell tell me that any of them don't exist. If you can't tell me any of them don't exist, then they all collectively must exist at the same time. And so we got from him what's called the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. He went further to say that every single potential outcome from an experiment assigned a probability of occurring does happen, will happen, and there's a universe created in that moment for that outcome to occur. Now think about that. If that's not um, mind-blowing and empowering, I don't know what is. And it reminded me when you were talking about manifesting various versions of your life are you not creating a universe where that version of Greg ex- exists in that moment? I know that that's not the good trained scientist way to look at it because it, some people would call it, you know, hocus pocus or new age, whatever. Right. But I'm tempted by that. Right. If I can collapse a wave function of probability into something concrete and classical, why can't I take that same mindset, that same self-awareness, that same approach and manifest the version of reality that I want over and over again, right? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, that's essentially, that's my supposition. That is my aim. Uh, I'm not trying to be perfect. Would never even 
think that I'm perfect, nor intentionally hold that expectation. But that's ultimately what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. And that approach completely informs my writing and teaching and speaking and coaching. And, you know, you, what you just said, um, also, it, you made me think, uh, one of the definitions of optimism is the belief that one is living in the best of all possible worlds. Mm-hmm. And I, my response to that is, then I'm an optimist. I know I'm living in the best of all possible worlds. Why? Because this is the world that I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all those other ones, I'm not there. Now, there may be a version of me, fully conscious, yeah. that is saying the same thing. Right. There could be an infinite versions of you, depending infinite on your flavor version. of infinity in the multiverse. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. How, however, this is this is the one I am. Mm-hmm. Right. For, in this moment. In this moment. Right. And uh, and and moving forward, um, I plan to carry myself with me, you know, as I go. Mm-hmm. That's my aim for as long as I can. Um, we know that energy can't be destroyed. I mean, it can only change form. Mm-hmm. So we know that what we really are, the energy that we really are, can't be destroyed. I don't know what that energy was doing before it was doing this, but I do know that the energy that is now me isn't separate from the quantum field of energy. It's a part of the quantum field of energy. It's just a part of the quantum field of energy that's doing something unique. Mm -hmm. And if you don't mind me reprising that archipelago metaphor, please, the, the quantum, think of the quantum field of energy as an archipelago. And the, 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 the most common thought when, when someone thinks about an archipelago is that it's a chain of islands, you know, like in the Pacific. And that's true, that, but that's not what the archipelago is. The archipelago is actually the islands and the giant underwater landmass. Mm-hmm. It's really the giant underwater landmass. The islands are just part of the giant underwater landmass called an archipelago that are breaking the surface. The most obvious from our vantage point. But they're right. a small fraction. That's all, they're just the part that's breaking the surface. Yeah. The, the islands are the part of the archipelago that's bringing the archipelago to life. Mm-hmm. And we can think of ourselves like islands in an archipelago. Mm-hmm. Now, the table is an island in the archipelago, but I, I don't think the table has a consciousness. I know I do. I assume you do. And I, I bet everybody watching and listening to this does as well. We're all islands. Mm-hmm. And we are bringing the quantum field of energy or the one consciousness to this life. I don't know that that's our purpose. Uh, in the quantum field shared, communicated things with me that I transcribed and, and shared in this book about purpose. But I... I, I, for me, I can only speak for myself. My purpose today for being here is to see how much, how much of an island I can become. You know, how, how much of the quantum field of consciousness can I bring to the surface and how grand 
can I allow it to be out here? Mm-hmm. How fulfilled can I allow it to be? How successful can I allow it to be? How much love can I allow it to experience and uh, joy and connection and efficacy and uh, meaning? Meaning, how much value can I contribute mm-hmm. to the world up here on the surface mm-hmm. while during my time here as an island? I'm very, very grateful to be an island. I, I don't want to be anything else at this moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, so being the most successful, fulfilled, valuable, helpful island possible for me in this moment is an intriguing proposition. And it, it, it catapults me out of bed on most days. And it's it, it, entirely my privilege to have the opportunity to share about it. Thank you, David. Thank you. Uh, and to, you know, to, to write about it and talk about it and see where we can take this. Can we say you cannot manifest your version of your island without doing the heavy li- lifting un- under the surface, the, arch- the true archipelago, right? I think you mentioned earlier, I want to snap my fingers and have a million dollars. Well, that's trying to take an under-the-surface process and have it manifest with above-the-surface actions. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, is it safe to say that you know we cannot, in our temptation, right, in our culture and people around us tell us, oh, just make it happen above the water, right? It doesn't work that way. Right. What you see above the water is but a fraction, a glimpse of what's happening under the water, and that's what your book tells people. A- most people don't even know that there's anything under the water, right? They say you, they say me, me, we're distinct from each other. How could we possibly be connected? Well, you, you teach your clients and your readers, no, we're all connected. There's that underlying landmass that connects us all. And you cannot manifest something above the water without doing the, wa- the work underneath the water. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say the, the outer world is a projection of the inner world. Mm-hmm. And that... Saying that isn't saying anything different than what we've been saying here all along. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 you know, there's an old joke. I, I will say manifesting, first of all, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but we're all manifesting our life. We're whether all you manifesting want to acknowledge it or not. Right. Whether you believe that or not, whether you adhere to self-help or, or, or personal growth material that facilitates that or not, you're manifesting your life. There's no opt-out. Mm-hmm. The only choice we have in this matter is whether we want to manifest by default, mm-hmm. which is fine. You know, Just like Newtonian physics is fine when it works. When my beliefs you know, are aligned with the versions of reality I desire and my ways of engaging with life are adequate and I am prepared enough for the opportunities in each moment that my life is pleasing and fulfilling and successful, that's great. Mm-hmm. Default manifesting works well when it works well. When it doesn't, however, that's where we have that choice. We can be intentional about it. I call it intentional manifesting because we're simply becoming intentional about it. We're not learning. You don't have to learn how to manifest. Well, you can. You can learn how it's happening. But you're going to be doing it. You don't have to learn how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to do it. So, um, you know, part of this 
intentionally manifesting our reality when we want to is both magical and mundane at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because it, all of this is magical. Every second of this is magical. Mm-hmm. As magical as I want to let myself realize. Uh, and it's also mundane. It reminds me of that that old joke about the, the person who sells their soul to the devil to become a great guitar, the best guitarist in the world. And, uh, you know, after they sign the contract, uh, they say, well, okay, how's this going to work? Um, I mean, am I just going to pick up a guitar and my fingers just magically start moving? Yeah. And the devil's like, hell no, man, you better start practicing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in a sense, <laughs> it, 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 you know, not, not to discourage the, 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 the epic um, magic of this, but at the same time, we're above the surface. And, and how do things work above the surface? Well, if I can grow my beliefs and, and you know, be vibrationally aligned with the opportunities in each moment and engage with reality you know, you, using great engagement techniques, if I can do that in a way that brings me that million dollars overnight, hey, fantastic, man. I mean, I, not only would I want to do that, I'd want to hear how somebody did it if they did. Mm-hmm. I haven't run into that yet. Um, what I found is that I can, by changing the system, by growing my beliefs, by entering each moment as prepared as I'm willing to be and able to be, and by engaging with reality, using you know great techniques based on quantum paradigms, um, I see and understand a world with much more opportunity, much more potential. And it's that world that I get to live in and operate in and navigate. And uh, it doesn't mean that I turn into, you know, a world-conquering dynamo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pure enlightenment, yeah. Not, right. Uh, yeah. It means that, that uh, my life can be more fulfilling, and I have so many great opportunities that I get to take advantage of to the extent that I'm willing and the extent that I choose. And uh, what more can we ask from life than the opportunity to be who we want to be and to do what we want to do, especially when those things um, impact us in the most important part of our lives especially when those especially when i can make my version of reality beneficial to other people's versions of reality mm-hmm. you know when 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 i can be an asset and that the reality i'm creating the universe i'm creating has a positive impact on other people it's an incredible incredible gift yeah you call yourself the LOI sci- or LOA science guy. That's the law of attraction. I don't think our conversation would be complete if, if you didn't at least give us a few thoughts on the law of attraction and how that specifically plays into your thoughts, your process, your, your methods. Sure. You, you know, uh, a lot of people, uh, I, I think the law of attraction, uh, obviously there's a, there's a varying degree of feeling about it, but I, I, I do believe that it's a it's a part of our nomenclature now. It's a part of our culture. I I dare say most everybody knows what you're talking about when you say that now. And I I don't 
think that was true, uh, you know, however many years ago. And so it, as a concept, it, it certainly provides the potential for people to find their way to, you know, being able to manifest their life better. Um, I, I can say that, that some of the tenets of it, absolutely, um, I am right there with. And I always appreciate reading uh, people's encouraging, helpful, positive, useful thoughts and experiences on ways to increase my own agency. The, when people say the, the law of attraction says that like attracts like, like vibration attracts like vibration, um, my only caveat to that in my personal experience and the way I write about it is that we have to be careful to discern between between my vibration that I'm, let's say, manufacturing and my vibration that's authentic, what I really believe about things. Mm. And, uh, and, I, and I think, not to steer this off into a, a negative path, but one of the things that I often hear repeated uh, in law of attraction circles is that, you know, get into the feeling place of the life you want to have and you'll attract that life to you. And what I would say is that creating feelings, better feelings than what I have right now. You know, if, if you like, for example, if this, if this interview went horribly awry and you kicked me out of your house and said, you know, you're a waste of my time. I'm going to have feelings about that. Oh, I'm a failure. He's right. You know, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I could get in my car and I could say, you know what? I'm OK. I'm good enough. I, uh, you know, uh, he doesn't really know me. You know, whatever. I could give myself positive affirmations yeah. and I could change how I felt in the moment. And A, everything that I would have been saying to myself is probably true on some level. Mm -hmm. And B, feeling good. Is, is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with feeling good. There's nothing wrong with feeling better mm -hmm. than I felt before. But what I need to understand and the way I teach it is that while positive affirmations have that, they're one of the techniques I teach about. Mm -hmm. Just make sure that you use them to get back on a track you've already been on mm -hmm. before, right? Oh, I'm in a rut. Oh, this person was a real a-hole to me. You know, whatever. And that, and ugh. I'm in this bad space, but I normally don't exist here. This isn't reflective of what I really believe about myself and my life. This is just I took a punch to the face or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. A positive affirmation in that situation is perfect. It's beautiful. I stress still always make them believable, okay? You know, uh, I don't need to, if I'm broke and I need and I'm trying to manifest more wealth, I certainly don't need to, you know, if I say, well, I'm, I already have a million dollars. No, I make it believable. So I want to reference, you know, maybe in that, in that example I used, I might say, you know, this feels terrible right now, and I feel like a failure, and I bet there's probably some things I could have done differently, but at the same time, I'm going to remain open to the fact that, you know, like maybe Digital David Snyder's just had a bad day, and 
I'm just going to remain open to that and the possibility that maybe this isn't as bad as I think it is. That's a believable positive affirmation, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's getting me back on a track that I'm normally on, great. That's what it's perfect for. Where it's not good, where the whole vibration alignment and like attracts like, where it breaks down is in parts of my life where I'm employing that, but I'm not usually or most often on that track. You know, I've, it has to be authentic. It has to be authentic. And and so in areas of my life where I've been regularly frustrated or fallen short or however I want to say it, mm-hmm. by my estimation, and that, so it's been a recurring theme, however long that needs to go for me to call it a recurring theme, that is typically or I would say really always for me, that is always an indicator that the belief raising process is more appropriate here simply because, I mean, there's, I could give myself positive affirmations in situations like that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, they're going to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, in fact, I almost always give myself positive affirmations, but I do it with the knowledge that they're not changing my beliefs. Because if those affirmations, if the feelings that, that, that accompany them are not lining up with how I really feel mm-hmm. based on the beliefs that are in my subconscious, all they're going to do is make me feel good. They are not going to move the needle because of that low wall security around my subconscious. Yeah. And, that, and that, so in terms of the law of attraction, I mean, really, and I don't, I'm not saying that that's something that I would quibble with. Um, however, and I do certainly embrace the law of attraction as a concept and it has its domain. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I just, I have a, I have some slightly different, uh, takes on how to engage it usefully. Mm -hmm. And in all fairness, they're based on experience and, and personal success. Yeah, I think it needs to be said for those not familiar with the law of attraction. It's been around arguably since the beginning of humanity. Rhonda Byrne gave us her great book, The Secret, many years ago. Um, Kind of the theme in the book was all these things are going wrong in her life. And one day she realized, wait a minute, I'm the common denominator and all that. So if I created a life I don't want, doesn't that mean I'm empowered to create the life I do want? And so she went on this journey of self-discovery and realized that uh, thoughts become things and we can change our beliefs about ourselves. (laughs) self based on the language that we use to describe our reality and then we can edit our fundamental beliefs and start manifesting the life we want um beautiful thing about it is she quoted people all throughout history that were successful and the the one that stated with me and they all seem to understand the law of attraction they didn't call it that but it's the same thing right it's just a title uh the one that always stuck with me was henry ford whether you think you can or you think you cannot you're always right Um, And so I think that needs to be stated. Um, Critics of the law of attraction will say, I told myself every day, five times a day for two years, I was going to be more physically fit. It didn't happen. It's not that simple, right? So you've got to do the belief editing. You've got got to take that personal, authentic, raw inventory of yourself. Dr. Phil said everybody has a, um, a personal truth, right? They can look beautiful on the outside and what seems to be a great career and a great family and live in the right neighborhood, drive the right car. But if their internal personal belief, their personal truth about themselves is inconsistent with that, 
that that's who they are at least to themselves, right? Right. So I think it's a great conversation. Um, the law of attraction obviously plays into a lot of what you do. Um, I had a couple of more thoughts before we wrap things up here. Um, I wanted to give you the opportunity to say you meet somebody, say you're stuck in an elevator, the elevator breaks down. It's you and this other person you don't know. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm a friendly guy. I'm going to have a conversation, uh-huh. conversation with this person. We didn't want to be here, but this is, this is the circumstance we find ourselves in. Right. Give us 45, 60 seconds what you're going to tell that person about who you are and, and assuming they say, hey, I'm not happy with where I am in life. Give them 45, 60 second elevator speech on who you are, how, how you can help them and why they should read the book. So this is a person who has asked for this information, Correct. right? With that sub, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's an import, important clarification, yes. That it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, I'm going to take a coward's way out here um, because I don't have a specific elevator speech memorized, although there's a lot of value in just exactly what you mentioned. Yeah. To the best of your ability. So one of the things that I have been experimenting with lately is um, making sure that the information is accessible as possible. Accessible as possible. Accessibility is everything. So ultimately, what I might say to somebody in that situation is that there was a time in my life where I was absolutely hopeless, that uh, I wouldn't have bet a dollar on my uh, ability to uh, dig myself out of a hole that was going to essentially bury me for the rest of my life. And what I learned in that horrifying circumstance, which turned out to be an incredible opportunity to reform myself, is that the outside world is a reflection of the inside world. Now, here's where I... Here's why I want to make sure that this information is accessible because there's an element to this, and I think this bears mentioning, that suggests that I'm to blame for my problems. And that is something that I encountered, and I, I, I am certain most people run into you know, especially when you get into the most important stuff, the big stuff. You know, um, if, I, if I'm manifesting my life, are you saying then that I'm manifesting all this bad stuff? Well, what I would say is this, and maybe this is my elevator speech. You're not responsible for manifesting the bad things in your life in the sense that you're not responsible for the beliefs you inherited. You didn't ask for them. In fact, when they were given to you, uh, you, you lacked the agency, even the awareness, mm-hmm. even if you had the agency, to say, well, wait a minute. You know, I, I don't think that's going to serve me later in life. Here's an example, deviating from the elevator speech. I mean, think about if I'm growing up and my mom... Let's just say, hypothetically, my mom thinks I'm a little chubby, and, and she, she doesn't want that. She doesn't want me to get made fun of at school. She thinks I might be unhealthy when I grow older. There's a lot of good reasons why she doesn't want me to be chubby. And so what she does is she's like, Greg, you need to lose weight. You know, and I'm 
six years old, six or seven years old. Greg, you need to lose weight. And she, to the, because of, of how she knows to be a human, she gives me tough love about it. You know, like, that's tough. You know, that's the way life works. You know, and hey, you, you know, no, don't eat that ice cream or whatever, right? Now, let's say that, that despite my mom's best intentions, what I ultimately get from this whole, because of the way it went down, what I ultimately get out of, get out of this is that I need to be thin to make my mom happy. That's not what she intended. Mm-hmm. And that is a belief. Well, I'm now going to carry that belief with me into adulthood. And it's going to be protected right, from flights of fancy and sudden bursts of emotion. Yeah. And what I'm going to do, well, well, Greg, you, you, you're going to leave your mom's house. You, who cares? Mm-hmm. Ah, but wait a minute. What's going to happen is that as I make relationships outside of my house, I'm going to bring that belief to those relationships. And I'm going to bring a belief that says, I need to do fill in the blank to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And the more important you are to me, the more important it is for me to do that to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And while that's not going to destroy my adult life, that's not a very healthy approach to relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to, for me, um, create the, you know, the best pathways for fulfilling relationships mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I go through my life and you know maybe i i'm now 45 years old and i've you know whatever i've maybe I've had a divorce or you know i've had some wreckage not my whole life but i've had some wreckage that has emerged because of the of this belief that i carry around with me mm-hmm. um but all i see in my newtonian view is you know hey i did my best to make you happy and you rejected me mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I? Why why wouldn't I feel that way? And so, a person in that situation, which we've all been in situations like that, we're going to be in situations like that in the future because we're you know we're carrying those beliefs around with us. Um, it can feel rather accusatory if I'm in that situation and someone says to me, "Hey, you know, you manifested that." Yeah. Like, what, like <laughs> screw you. Yeah. I did my best, and, and, and I did a good job. And that person turned their back on me. Yeah. So what I would say is that playing with the subjectivity of life is not something we do because we're doing something wrong mm-hmm. or we're manifesting this incorrectly or we're doing something bad. Playing with the subjectivity of life is something we do because we can. Because we can. And so when I'm displeased, why wouldn't I? And ultimately, while we should always tend to our you know, personal safety and you know, the, our personal needs and those of the people we care about and people who need our help, we should always attend to those things first and make sure that they are as secure as possible. The very next move for me when I'm displeased is always to look and say, wait a minute. Why am I manifesting this? Not because I'm doing it wrong. Not because I'm doing it wrong. I'm not judging myself. Mm -hmm. I'm discerning. I'm saying, 
here's the reality that I'm manifesting. Here's the feelings it's eliciting. A great question to ask in that situation, what, what must I believe about myself to feel this way? Mm-hmm. Not as an accusatory finger pointed at me. Yeah. You know, another way to say that might be, what beliefs do these feelings suggest? Mm-hmm. And then I can say, wait a minute, uh, does that sound right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, those beliefs are typically not going to be fun to hear. You know, you know, wow, I don't think I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Do I? Th- you know, and and maybe it's not. Maybe I just need some positive affirmations. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, this isn't what I really believe. I mean, honestly, yeah. authentically, get myself back on track here. Sometimes, however, I look at it and I say, it's not what I want to believe. But, you know, I got to say that, yeah, it's resounding pretty heavily. Hey, that's okay. I just got a gift. My feelings pointed me to some beliefs that are obstructing the light of who and what I really am, which is love and abundance. Mm-hmm. All I need to do is go through the belief raising process. You write, write about how I really feel and then look to the very next one on, you know, the emotional reference chart and I'll write my way into that. And coincidentally in terms of how much work is required to do this, it usually only takes me, I mean, it, it, how many emotions are there on the list? 20, there's 23 emotional states. I don't always start all the way at the bottom, but you, because the growth is so incremental between the different emotional states, mm-hmm. I'm usually able, as soon as I can say, yeah, I'm manifesting this part of my life from this new emotional state, mm-hmm. I'm ready to write on the next one. I'm, I'm even from the beginning, I'm ready to write on the next one in most cases mm-hmm. the next day. And so a, a step away in, in the right direction of any of those points on the list is progress, essentially. Progress. Yeah. I'm going to attempt to answer your, uh, the question I asked you. <laughs> um, so um, about the, you know, 30 to 45 seconds. Yeah, tell, I'm going to take notes. So tell, I, I've t- got tell me if I'm wrong here, okay? Yes. I would say it's two-part, and this, of course, is simplified, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, you're going to say to that person, you probably have a lot of beliefs about yourself that are limiting your life and harming you that you had nothing to do with. They were given to you when you didn't even know what the concept was. So you're going to you're going to free them of the burden of the guilt, right, mm-hmm. of ending up where they are when the majority of which they had nothing to do with, no capacity to understand or or influence that whatsoever so Mm -hmm. you're going to free them of the burden of the guilt that can come with that and then once you help them do that you're going to give them a gps you want you're here and you want to get here i'm going to hold your hand and show you we're going to put one foot in front of the other there's no shortcuts here it's this and then it's this and we're going to take one foot in front of the other logical organic steps to get you from where you are now where you want to be is that a fair that's not only fair i i took some notes i wrote that down um to that point and i i agree with what you said i love the gps uh, illustration uh, i am launching a one-on-one coaching program actually i'm going to do that one-on-one with individuals i'm in fact tell us about it okay um in, in November, November 14th, I'm going to have a Facebook Live event on my personal Facebook page to launch the program. 
And in the event, I'm going to do a lot of fun stuff. I'm going to give away autographed copies of books. I'm going to give away pennies that I've manifested. I'm going to give away some courses. And we'll have some cool conversations. That'll be on November 14th. I'm going to accept five clients for this initial round. We'll begin in mid-January 2024. And I want, to, I want these to be the right clients, okay, uh, so that it... it works beautifully as I know that it will and does and the the what's going to happen through this one-on-one coaching program is that each one of the clients is going to pick an area of their life that they want to manifest differently and we're going to manifest it differently together I'm going to of course not manifest it differently for them mm-hmm. because I cannot inhabit their time space or space time mm-hmm. nor their consciousness but I will coach them through the manifestation of this part of their life differently. As well, of course, we'll, we'll learn a lot of other things that are incredibly useful and valuable. And I am so looking forward to instilling, personally instilling that GPS um, into uh, five really, really cool people that I get to work with. In you're going you're gonna to custom tailor a navigational system to get from where you are to where you want to be that's exciting yeah no i'm I'm really looking forward to it so uh that's i'm working on the on the the launch of the coaching program i want to make that a fun event and of course i'll be sharing that out on my social media and my facebook and uh and and then you know getting started uh coaching people one-on-one and walking with someone while they manifest a part of their life differently that heretofore they hadn't had much success with it may even have been in despair about it mm-hmm. it's incredibly fulfilling so um, i don't want to I, I want everything out of this day that is available to me i am not projecting myself into mid-january because i don't want to waste any of the, the time yeah. that i have now but i am mid-year, excited about that mid-january not might not even occur right might not <laughs> yeah but this is this is yeah, very yes. much so. And it seems so real, right? We talked about that. <laughs> it seems so real yeah. <laughs> because it's supposed to. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's how it's de- it works by design. Yeah. And and fortunately, we're the designers. Right. So so yeah, so it does work. Hey, to that point, yeah. I do want to mention um I wrote an an article specifically for your listeners. Oh. Uh, please tell us about it and how we can interact with you and Buy a copy of your book and check out your your training classes. Oh yeah, of course, of yeah. course. The um, the the simplest thing to do would be to go to my website, which is manifestthebigstuff.com. That's also the name of my podcast, mm-hmm. and there you'll find information about everywhere that you can connect and engage with me. For example, I would invite everyone to join my Facebook manifesting group. Um, which you can link to from my website, but it's called Manifest the Big Stuff with Greg Kuhn, Creating Our Realities Together. You can look it up on Facebook. Um, I have a newsletter. I, I, I have a lot of different ways that you can stay in touch and in contact with me. Mm-hmm. The book is, is on my website. Uh, it's available on Amazon, paperback, hardcover, Kindle, of course, mm-hmm. the study guide as well. Audio, and, audio too? ebook, and or, Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Um, 
audiobook to come. I, I know people, I, I love audiobooks too. So, mm-hmm. so that is to come. Okay. Um, a lot of my other books, almost all of my other books, except the very short Kindle. I, I have a couple books that are, that are pretty brief Kindle books. Everything else is, is available audio. This one will be soon Perfect. as well. And yeah. links to all this will be posted with the show notes for the whatever, right. whatever platform you encounter this on, Great. Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, etc. So, so I have a link for you. to yes. the art, And the article is, is, is about most of the things that we talked about. It is specifically written for your audience. It's available nowhere else. And it is all about the connection between quantum physics and the paradigms that arise from it or that we glean from it mm-hmm. and the law of attraction or intentional manifesting. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we, we, do, we take a dive into most of the concepts that we refer to today and tie them together. And, I, and, and in the article, I've got three uh, action steps that you can take right now. Uh, to begin to take advantage of the the way that uh, the paradigms from quantum physics empower our yeah. ability to manifest our life. I'm really excited about your book. I'm really excited about what you're doing. You and I are kindred spirits. Um, I want to encourage people. I love the title, A Handbook for the, Those Already Born. One way I want to kind of reverse engineer that would be, if you're listening, uh, I think this applies to everyone, so it's kind of a, secondary uh, significance behind your title, all of us can look inside and say, there's at least one aspect of my life I'd like to improve, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think in that sense, that's the universal appeal of your book. If you want to be more fit, if you want to have a better financial life, better relationship, more fulfilling career, whatever it is, I believe reading this book can help anyone um, listening. So I can't recommend it enough. I'm looking forward to reading more of the book myself and hopefully implementing some of your practices and life experiences into manif- manifesting the life that I want to live. Um, and that'll segue into uh, the next segment of our show. Uh, I have three questions for you. All right. This segment of three questions is brought to you by our nonprofit, See Good to Be Good, which aims to act as a source of hope, motivation, and inspiration to help folks achieve their dreams. We're currently accepting donations of time and or money to help fund our needs-based scholarship to help a young person pay for their education in the arts. If you'd like to help us with that, please let us know. Question number one, why are you successful? The success that I have, the greatest successes that I've had, they're predicated on collaborating with people who mentor, coach, advise. It's my successful life is the direct result of communion and collaboration with other invested people. I like that. Why are you happy? I am happy because, A, I am intentional about it, although I don't always achieve it in a moment-to-moment basis, Mm -hmm. certainly. I mean, I say that like that would be a surprise. I am happy because I am alive and present in this moment with the opportunity to take full advantage of the stage that I'm given, which is where I get to follow through on all my decisions about my actions, my ideas, my attitudes, and my focus. It's on that stage that I get to be Greg Kuhn and do Greg Kuhn things. And what a wonderful opportunity. I love it. If 
Final question. What obligation do you feel to help other people? The obligation I feel to help other people is it's central. I can tell you this. We all have self-interest, and I'm no different. And I, and I certainly wouldn't vilify self-interest. When it comes to this work, and I've done a lot of it, I'm doing a lot of it, I'm going to do even more of it. When that needle starts to move into self-interest, I can tell right away. It is not fulfilling to do this based on self-interest. Alone. Right. It is fulfilling to do it. And part of the reason why I say that is because, isn't it ironic, that means that I like to do this with the intent to help others out of self-interest. <laughs> yeah, was Mother Teresa selfish? Maybe right. it made her happy to help people, you know? Yeah, well, they, maybe it, she was being selfish. Yeah, it does. There's, you, you know this, you've heard this. You know, getting feedback from people that I've been valuable, first of all, you had to give me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if you find me valuable, that was, that's you manifesting me mm-hmm. that way in your universe. I didn't do that for you. I did everything I could to arrive in your universe you know, in a form, function, meaning, and value that would make it easy for you to do that, but that's all I can do. You did that for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you, mm-hmm. you know, for doing that. Yeah. And how fulfilling is that? It's, 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 it's more fulfilling yeah. to hear that I've been of value to someone than to get a paycheck. I like to tell people, oh, you know, once you climb your own mountain, the next best fun thing to do is to go back down and help somebody climb theirs. True. You know? So true. That's probably the reason that I climb it in the first place. Yeah, I heard when recently, it down um, to it. If, you're a, if, if, you, if you're a leader and you find yourself alone at the top of the mountain, you aren't a good leader. Right. Leaders bring people with them. Yeah. You know? That's well said. Um, Bruce Lee once said, we can see through other, others only when we can see through ourselves. <laughs> I like that. Um, one more time, thank you, Greg Kuhn, for being here. Your book is tremendous. Um, I really think anybody listening can improve various aspects of their life just by learning from your experiences and then implementing your um, steps to manifest the version of reality that they want. Again, we will put all of Greg's uh, relevant uh, social media links, Facebook, YouTube, where you can find his podcast, buy his book, sign up for his um, training sessions and coaching sessions um, will be available for you to to do that. And uh, thank you again for being here. And uh, thank you to uh, our listeners and our sponsors for this show for making this podcast possible and hopefully successful. If you'd like to learn more um, about um, creating and or distributing your own podcast content, please contact us for more information. For more information. The podcast doesn't just stop at the Respect the Math podcast. We help other people with generating content, producing, and distributing their shows online, too. And uh, we will see you real soon on a future episode of the Respect the Math podcast.